0: Welcome to another episode of Unfiltered. Again, coming to you live uh, from Fresno, California, along with my co-host uh, Mike Rabasi. Good evening, Mike. And Steve Brandow is under the weather. We don't know if he has COVID or he's just sick, but he didn't sound too good this morning, so he's got the he's got the night off. Uh, we have a great show for you this evening. We're going to talk about Ukraine, Congressman Jim Costa, and. Um, Father Gregory Zubak of St. Michael's Ukrainian Catholic Parish is joining us again to give us an update on what's happening on the ground in, in Ukraine. We have a lot of, lot of great information for you. US dollars spent to date, how much more is committed? Some of you are questioning whether US should get involved at all and pay, send US taxpayer dollars to a foreign country. Others wanna see an end to this uh, unjust war started by a dictator uh, that has gone mad, that may turn into another, the next Stalin or Hitler. And the faster we put an end to that war, the fast, the less it's gonna cost uh, in terms of lives, dollars, and American taxpayer money. Uh, but first, let's get into our News Minute with uh, own Veronique. Let's fire that up.
1: Coming, Coming to you to from you the GDWire studio, studio, here, here are, are some, some of the trending stories that are making a local impact Deputy District Attorney Andrew Jans is now the City Attorney for Fresno. Jans, who has run for Congress and Mayor of Fresno, is expected to start his new job next month. Fresno City Council President Nelson Esparza's charge of felony extortion has been reduced to a misdemeanor. He is expected to stand trial on December 12th. Yosemite is making it easier to soak up its stunning views. The national park says it will no longer require summer reservations in 2023. The park had required reservations the past three years due to COVID and repairs. Looking for last minute ways to save money this Thanksgiving? GV Wire has seven cost-cutting food tips to help you and your wallet. Join the conversation on those stories and more
2: now on Facebook and GBYR.com.
0: All Those items before we get into Ukraine with Con- Congressman Costa and uh, Father uh, Gregory Zubak. Um, but first, we put a poll up, a GBWire poll on what do you think about the Fresno City Council hiring uh, Andrew Jans as city attorney? So let's put those poll results up. Mike, uh, any comments on that?
3: What I love about low expectations, Darius, is it's an easy chance to prove people wrong. Um, I'm not surprised by this now. I think at the time um, I heard people were getting calls, oh, it's political cronyism or whatever. But look, here's the thing. I realized what happened. I don't know Andrew Jans as a candidate. I know him as a prosecutor. That's how I got to know him. And I know him as a guy that puts child molesters away in prison for a very long time. After the, the, the what's happened with, with the city attorney's office, we need someone, I need someone, as part of the minority that was targeted, I need someone I know that is trustworthy and that knows criminal law, so that if anyone ever tries weaponizing the city attorney's office, they know directly how to say no, and this is why you can't do that. And, and of all the candidates we had, Andrew Jans is the one I think will fit that role very well.
0: Okay. And he starts when?
3: Uh, about a week from now, just early December.
0: Okay. Yeah. Early December, and and what is the pay? Can is, well, do you know that for the audience? It's
3: public record. Um, okay. I I believe it. They were negotiating the pay, so I didn't get the final number of the negotiations, but it's over two hundred and twenty thousand dollars.
0: that means is it a million dollars or just no, over No, no, it's
3: it's just slightly okay. over that, and you know, um, it's similar to the pay our previous um, city attorney did receive, and you know, he was a great city attorney.
0: Okay. Great, with that, then that's uh, no questions on that. Let's dive into uh, Ukraine. Um, You have Congressman Costa on. Um, We're gonna talk about what the federal government is doing, what the new proposed uh, legislation is in terms of dollars to go to Ukraine. Um, They're uh, suffering uh, a cold winter they uh, and where Russia keeps targeting with their cruise missiles their energy uh, uh, centers and their uh, energy manufacturing and uh, and the pl- energy I'm sorry energy plants power plants and um, a lot of Ukraine is going dark from time to time and by the way we're going to get to a, a local nonprofit that just came back from Ukraine uh, about ten days ago as well but but before that, let me turn over to Congressman Costa, who's joined us this evening. Thank you, Jim, for joining us again uh, on this show. Tell us, um, you're a member of the Foreign Affairs Committee of the House of Representatives. Tell us uh, what is in, in the works uh, on how much more support we're going to give Ukrainians. Or are we going to send them cruise missiles that can go deep into Russia and take out some of their power plants? Are we going to, wh- when are we going to, from, at least the House of Representatives perspective. When do we see an end to this war? Well,
4: I think we see an end to the war when uh, the Ukrainian government feels they're in a strong enough position to to uh, negotiate from a position of strength. Uh, they've reclaimed uh, about half of the uh, territory that Russia uh, invaded uh, just recently, uh, retaking the city of. Uh, uh, person and and um, they're on the offensive Uh, but but let me just say that um, I was in Kiev uh, in the middle of September at a Yalta European strategic meeting for for two days and uh, was on a panel with the foreign minister of Ukraine the foreign minister of Germany uh, the prime minister of Lafayette and um, uh, General Wesley Clark that uh, Sarit uh, Farid Zakari uh, moderated, and the title "Ukraine Fatigue" and uh, what what would be a tipping point either in the European uh, Union uh, with NATO uh, and ourselves and other countries that have joined with this uh, in solidarity with Ukraine to maintain their democracy and their sovereignty. And uh, my sense is is that uh, we came back in in uh, late September and voted for another package of aid to Ukraine. Uh, The uh, uh, administration just negotiated $400 million last week, and there's another proposal uh, that will be uh, before the House and the Senate when we go back after Thanksgiving. Uh, And I think that uh, just uh, in the last few days, France and Germany have agreed to... uh, uh, um, sell to Ukraine um, some of the most high, highly technical air defense mechanisms or systems. I mean, uh, right now, uh, uh, the morale is low among the Russian army, um, and they are scattered, and uh, there are numerous uh, uh, efforts uh, along the Eastern Front that uh, Ukraine is on the offense And so I think uh, this is gonna go well until uh, next year at some point in time. Uh, The G20 met last week and all 20 countries condemned uh, Russia's invasion, the barbaric uh, and war criminal acts that Putin has uh, perpetrated upon the people of Ukraine. And since their army has uh, proved ineffective and suffered significant casualties, over 1,200 tanks that have been lost, 17 generals. Um, they have resorted to using these Iranian drones and, um, and, and missiles. Uh, now they're going to low-tech missiles because they've expended their high-tech and they don't have the supplies in terms of chips and others to manufacture it to try to uh, continue to, to, to bomb civilian targets and the electrical grid. When I came into Kiev uh, back in September, I went to the city of uh, the suburb of Busha. Bhushka is about the same distance that Old Fig Garden is from downtown Fresno. And uh, that's as far as the Russian tanks got. And bombing homes and apartments and schools. And we saw this mass grave behind this church where 166 bodies had been buried, women and children primarily. Uh, but that's just one of, sadly, many examples uh, of the barbaric actions that the Russian army is taking. That includes raping women and children. And, and, and um, so I, I think that we're going to support another additional, um, to answer your, your other part of your question, um, uh, financial package that involves military aid, economic aid, and humanitarian aid. Uh, and we're going to try to keep uh, uh, the shipment of grain out of Odessa. Um, And this is the test of our time. I've said it many over the last seven, eight months. Do we stand uh, firm with uh, a a democratic nation that's being invaded by a hostile uh, authoritarian uh, dictator? Um, When we tried in 2008 to slap his hands with Georgia, That didn't work. When we tried in 2010 in in Syria to draw a red line that the Obama administration didn't enforce, they bombed Aleppo into submission, along with uh, other uh, deeds that Russia's done. And in 2014, when they invaded Crimea, they got got another uh, light sanctions. Uh, but Putin this time is badly, badly uh, uh, overestimated uh, his army, underestimated the Ukraine's and underestimated uh, the United States and Europe's uh, uh, resolve to draw the line, which we've done, and he is paying the price.
0: Jim, there's a, you know, so, a lot of folks say, hey, U.S. taxpayer money should not go to Ukraine. There's a couple of comments that says, uh, you know, on, on our Facebook feed that says uh, American people do not want any more dollars going to Ukraine. Is there is there an option to sit on the sidelines and let Putin come in and basically we don't give any arms to Ukraine. Uh, we pull out any support, let Putin come in and basically without our support, basically we'll take over Ukraine. Is that an option to basically let no. Russia annex all of Ukraine and potentially Poland?
4: No, it's not an option. Not if you believe in freedom. Not if you believe in uh, the the um, values uh, that uh, we share with our European allies. Uh, You know, this is about good and evil. It's about good and evil. And whether or not we're going to stand up for the democratic values that uh, We uh, talk about all the time that make uh, America the greatest country in the world and that remains the beacon of light for other democratic nations. Uh, Ukraine's want to be a part of the West uh, and and everything that Russia has done has only further uh, strengthened the resolve of the Ukrainian people to maintain their sovereignty, to maintain their freedom, and to maintain their democratic government. I just talked this morning with um, uh, Alexandra Ustinova. She's a, a member of the Ukrainian Parliament, and uh, she just came back from Kiev. Uh, and she's going to be in Washington with other members of the Ukrainian Parliament. Um, they know it's going to be a tough winter, uh, but they're prepared for it. And um, I think that uh, um, you know, uh, if we want to withdraw from the world. Uh, as some have suggested in the in your podcast that have sent you, um, we've, we've tried that before to become an isolationist state. Um, this is a world uh, global economy that we live in. And we need to have as many democratic friends as we can around the world to stand up against the Chinese and to stand up against the Russians and the North Koreans at the end of the day this is the test of our time
0: really good points uh you know there's a lot there's a lot of folks that have compared putin to hitler and that how the west stayed away and let uh, hitler you know start with uh and I can't remember which country it was first Czechoslovakia then poland then austria and uh, we didn't get involved because we didn't want to send spend american treasure or lives defending europe Unfortunately, we had we got involved in a really, really big way—a huge cost to the American lives and money. But that was, you know, several years later. Um, is, so basically, what you're saying is we, we should we shouldn't let Putin get away, uh, and we we should allow the Biden administration to send more arms uh, to de- to defend Ukraine. And, and now let me if if the, and I think the answer is yes from your perspective. Why are we not, Jim, why are we not sending longer range cruise missiles so that the Ukrainians can actually take out Russian post? Better yet, can we give them some other nuclear missiles back?
4: Well, <laughs> uh, I I, I think we want to avoid starting a nuclear war. And of course, uh, part of the message that came out of the G20 and, and from the Chinese, which was important, uh, was to um, uh, restate that uh, any effort by Russia to use nuclear weapons in this war would be met with uh, direct uh, and dramatic results and responses uh, from the West. And, uh, you know, uh, Putin is, is, I think, uh, understands that the Chinese are not going to rescue him in, in this box that he's put himself in. Um but we are, there are, if not daily, weekly conversations going on between the uh, Secretary of Defense uh, in Washington and his counterpart uh, of the Minister of Defense in Ukraine, along with the defense ministers in Na- the NATO countries, uh, and uh, whether they be uh, those that are directly on the border of Ukraine, or as I just uh, said earlier, a a agreement that uh, France and and Germany are going to send their most sophisticated air defense systems to Ukraine uh, to deal with these attacks of the drones and these lower grade missiles that are attempting to to, uh, aim at civilians and their uh, electrical grid. So we we continue to increase the package. And, you know, I I just was in a classified briefing uh, last week and the, the irony is, is that the uh, Ukrainian Air Force and their defense system has prevented Russia from controlling the skies. Think about this. This was the second largest, it was, second largest army in the world uh, with a very well-equipped Air Force and they have not been able to control the skies. In fact, Ukrainians Air Force with about 150, 200 pilots are, are very top-notch. They've got about three or four aces uh, in, in their Air Force and they've got now more planes as a result of re, uh, uh, rehabilitating uh, uh, equipment that had been put on the side, uh, old uh, Soviet-styled uh, MiGs that were built uh, by the Russians. Um, and so, uh, but, but they need additional um, support Uh, attackums, uh, javelins, um, and uh, uh, longer-range missiles that will do just what you suggested, which will pin the uh, Russians further back. And that is all being uh, discussed uh, on a, if not daily, weekly basis with our defense experts and, and those in Ukraine and those in Europe. One
3: of the really frustrating things for me, Darius, um, here locally, is seeing how the cost of energy is up because of natural gas, the cost of food, Thanksgiving dinner is costing 20% more this year. A lot of it's because of this conflict in Ukraine. So from my perspective, I really don't mind us really going hammering hard early to get Putin out. But I wanted to ask Congressman Costa, are there talks with the Russian government? What is Putin at all destabilizing this country? Because when I was in Armenia a month ago. Um, on the heels of Nancy Pelosi's visit, there was a shift in attitudes towards the U.S. versus Russia in Armenia, and a lot of young Russians are in Yerevan because they don't want to go fight this war. So are we talking to anybody inside of Russia? Um, is there any chance there'll be a purge in in Moscow? Uh, because he just seems, he looks like a lunatic to us, but how does he look to the Russian people?
0: And, and your question is, are we talking directly to Russians? Uh, on a, the government a, a or... Uh, on, on a right. peace right, I mean, ending to this war? Right,
3: he's in a pickle. So can yep. is there any appetite for him to negotiate himself out of this? Or what's the end game? Well, he to be
0: strong, in my opinion. I'm, I'm going to hear from from Jim. But I think uh, what JFK did uh, with, with Khrushchev, uh, let me get Jim's perspective on that.
4: Well, I think President Zelensky has made it very clear when I spoke with back in September, and and he's consistently said, you know, that when Russia wants to negotiate, really negotiate, not a truce, but a peace. There's a distinction between negotiating a truce so that uh, all will be quiet while Russia restores its arms and its munitions and tries to build back its uh, poorly trained army, which we've discovered is just as corrupt as the entire Government itself, which is why the army is, the, the Russian army has fared so poorly against the brave Ukrainians, who really have a MacGyver sort of attitude. They're atta- they're attaching uh, Western missiles to these uh, these Russian MIGs and uh, and and sending them back to uh, to to the Russian uh, um, uh, forces with devastating impacts. Um, There have been, in background, talks uh, by the French president, uh, by uh, the Turkish president. Uh, There have been background talks uh, with the head of our CIA, with the Russian uh, intelligent counterpart. Um, There was an attempt to uh, try to, uh, to, um, uh, uh, by our Secretary Austin, to reach out to the Russian defense minister. Uh, He chose not to return the call. Uh, But there are continuing efforts to reach out uh, by a host of uh, intermediaries. And um, I believe that a similar uh, request was made by President Biden when he met with President Xi. And I know among the many items that they discussed was how would they ultimately be able to bring uh, this Russia, uh, this Russian invasion of Ukraine to an end. Uh, with a successful peace agreement, not a truce, but a peace agreement that would protect the integrity uh, of the territories of Ukraine, which Zelensky has indicated all, all along as part of the uh, uh, required. I mean, there's there's ways that you could negotiate a, 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 a permanent peace agreement, but, but I don't think uh, Putin and Russia is there yet at this point in time.
0: Let, let us bring in... Um... Father Gregory Zubak, um, to t- to give us uh, along with uh, Congressman Costa, to give us an update on what he sees, uh, what he's heard directly from the ground uh, in that part in that part of the world. Um, Reverend, welcome uh, to Unfiltered. Welcome back to Unfiltered. Uh, tell us what you hear. I know winter has arrived. We got several images we're going to put up on, which which were from actually yesterday. Um, Images of uh, Kiev and different parts of uh, Ukraine. Snow has arrived. It's cold. Uh, power plants are down. Heat is, is not. A, uh, heating sources are becoming scarce. Uh, tell us what you hear uh, on the ground in, in
1: Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks, Darius. The there is a lot of uh, outages of the power grid right now. Uh, People are resorting to um, the old methods of burning things. Nuclear power plants are still functioning, so they are providing some degree of power. Uh, What they're probably going to have to do is bring heating oil in because the grid is just too unreliable at this point. Um, A lot of the hospitals have their own generators, although some of the hospitals have been damaged. Uh, What we are seeing, though, is a fair amount of resourcefulness uh, from the Ukrainians. And uh, one of the things that has been demonstrated by the support that's come in from the West as well as the resourcefulness of the Ukrainians is their ability to make do with very little, which has been a tradition really in our culture and our country for hundreds of of years um, as they've suffered from foreign oppression and foreign invasion. And this is only one of many countries that's invaded Ukraine. Um, And we've, uh, in the long run, we've sent all of them home. But uh, you know, the, uh, the challenge, of course, right now is to, uh, is to keep doing workarounds to keep the power going at this point. Right now, there are centralized power sources. Some people are coming, for example, to plug their phones in so they can keep communicating, um, and, and others are, are getting smaller sources of heat that they can use.
0: Uh,
1: is it about
0: tw- 25% of the population has been displaced or has left the country? Uh, any um, of them coming back? uh what do you what do you hear about about that
1: uh it's pretty stable right now approximately one-third of the population has uh has sought safety in the west or in western ukraine so there's a fair amount of displaced people um it's unclear what their long-term intentions are going to be certainly the countries that have taken them in didn't have the intention to receive them as immigrants rather as refugees so the Normally, with refugees, the expectation is they're going to return after the conflict.
4: Father, um, uh, when I was there in September, although things were a lot better at that point in time before the onslaught that took place in October, uh, as a matter of fact, the streets of Kiev were, were busy with traffic and uh, and there were restaurants and, and shops that were uh, open and functioning, uh, as well as the hotels. Uh, that has now changed, obviously, in the uh, attacks that Russia has put on Ukraine in the last three, four weeks. But but the resolve there, uh, it, it's, its we will win this war. I mean, every Ukrainian person that I spoke to uh, is very adamant about their resolve. Mm-hmm. And in June and July, there was a lot of the uh, migration that took place uh, in February and March when the war began uh it was my sense a lot of people came back, although uh, uh, Poland uh, and uh, and Romania, along with other European countries. And, you know, when, as you know better, the relationship with Poland and, and Ukraine have not always been good. But the the uh, the way in which the uh, people that have, are on the border with Ukraine have accepted these um, these refugees, uh, mainly women and children, and open their homes is nothing short of amazing, and really a tribute to uh, the, the European neighbors of Ukraine, who believe they have a role to play, because Poland remembers very clearly, as you mentioned, Darius, and you talked about Hitler, um, when uh, you know they this was the the, the battlegrounds in World War II, uh, and 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 all of these. Eastern European countries suffered greatly. Mm-hmm.
1: That's right, and Pol- Poland for its history with Ukraine, for example, they were fighting directly and invaded Ukraine in the 18th century. And that's why Hetman Bogdan Melnitsky hatched the infamous uh, treaty with Moscow, which Moscow regards Ukraine as having come under their jurisdiction at that point in the 18th century, which Ukrainians tacit or, or uh, categorically reject. Uh, but uh, Poland has certainly, uh, you know, had military action against Ukraine a number of times in history. But the, the change right now is heartwarming to see the Polish people welcoming Ukraine. And, and not only that, they've donated a tremendous amount of armament um, and uh, logistical support, as well as training bases and, um, and other, other tremendous, uh, tremendous assistance to Ukraine in terms of food and humanitarian aid. So it, it's, been, it's been a wonderful, wonderful change.
0: Of you. There's a couple of comments on our on our feed. Uh, Putin is interested in Ukraine because of its mineral rights, uh, and it, uh, he won't give up until he has uh, he's t- taken over all of Ukraine. Uh, also, is the Ukraine talking to a Russian delegation? Doesn't sound like we are, but I think Jim, you said that the CIA is talking to their. Counterparts in Russian intelligence, and now we know that the Russian, uh, the Putin has uh, dele- has unleashed the same general that was responsible for the bombing of uh, civilians in Syria to be uh, to be re- to be in charge of uh, basically killing civilians in Ukraine. Uh, any any comments on both of those uh, co- uh, questions? Is is Putin after Ukraine for its uh, you know mineral rights or? Do you, do you, do you, have you heard of
4: that? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let the, uh, uh, the the pastor speak on, on the history, uh, which is, is very interesting. And, and, and Applebaum wrote a very interesting book uh, in which uh, Stalin uh, starred literally uh, uh, 4 million, 5 million Ukrainian people uh, in the 1930s. But uh, uh, Putin does not believe Uh, that Ukraine exists as a sovereign country. He thinks it's uh, part of the center of uh, of Russia. Uh, And uh, in terms of his manifest destiny uh, and and recreating, he calls the great catastrophe uh, of the 1990s was the collapse of the Soviet Union. And uh, this is all about restoring Russian pride and and what he believes is Russian sovereignty. So he doesn't recognize Ukraine as a country or as a sovereign people, but as part of, of, of Russia. And uh, that's at the, the heart of this. Um, you, know, you, you talk about training. I mean, there's a lot of attempts to reach out. The uh, Ukrainian uh, government attempted to negotiate in March and in April with the Russians. The last meeting they had was in Turkey. I met one of the negotiators that was set across the table from his Russian counterparts. And, and 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 several days later, he was poisoned. Now he was able to survive the, the the attempt, but obviously it was a Russian attempt to poison him and some other members of the negotiating team with Ukraine. I mean, this is Russia's attitude. General Jezremov in 2013 said, We will we will defeat the West by uh, penetrating. Uh, they're democratic institutions, because um, we, can, we can use misinformation, which the Russians, you know, go, going back to the Soviet Union, exercise propaganda all the time, and we see it taking place today. They've spent over 300 million people, $300 million, uh, dollars we estimate, just on, on PR, trying to change the minds of Europeans and Americans about uh, whether or not we should stay and engaged in supporting Ukraine. And so, um, but uh, thus far at every step, uh, Putin has made a bad bet and they've lost. And I think we've got to make sure that the the West, those of us who believe in democracies and sovereign governments, uh, just recently the G20, again, uh, by a uh, unanimous vote of the 20 countries, Condemned Russia's uh, unprovoked uh, invasion of Ukraine and and the war and uh, and Putin's actions.
0: Jim, a couple of questions uh, again on our feed. Uh, uh, Inga has a question: Why did Putin wait for the Biden administration to come in before attacking? And number two, this may be a question for the past for Pastor Zubak. Is Ukraine still this is from Eric Swanson? Is Ukraine still the people trafficking capital of Europe? Maybe we'll start.
4: Well, with, I think as yeah. to the first part of the question, I'll let the yeah. or in the pastor answer the second, which I think is false. But um, Putin felt, in terms of all his actions going back to two thousand eight, that the West uh, was not willing to. To draw a, a line in the sand that said no, you, you can't you can't take, uh, overtake sovereign nations whether it's Georgia, or, or whether it's in involvement in Syria, or, or whether it's uh, you know Crimea, and he felt that you know that the response by the West of his invasion of, of uh, Ukraine would be timid like it had been over the past. Uh, six years, he felt that there was disunity in NATO and and that uh, NATO would not respond. I mean, one of his worst nightmares by Putin was that that Finland and Sweden uh, would become a part of NATO. And he always opposed his efforts. And now uh, Finland and, and Sweden are gonna become a part of NATO with a 700 mile border with Russia. Um, He's made uh, every, every bet he's made in the last eight months has proven to be wrong. He has only, I I go to NATO assembly parliamentary meetings, and I was there in Brussels two days before the invasion. I've never seen uh, in the, the 16 years I've been going to this, the NATO resolve as strong and as unified as it has been since February of this year, in which Germany, President Trump and, and Obama and previous presidents tried to get Germany to go from 1.2% of their GDP to 2% for their NATO support. And, and the Germans would never, would never go forward. Now they're going to do over 2%. Uh, all the countries are attempting, to, among the NATO partners, to, to reach their 2% goals. So he's brought the European alliance uh, together in ways that uh, is his worst nightmare. He thought we would be. He thought we would be scattered, and we would not stand. And he also told President Xi that he would be in the Kyiv capital within a week. Obviously, that proved to be false as well.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you for that explanation, Jim. Let's go to uh, Reverend Zubak. Uh, uh, claims that claim that uh, uh, again, question from one of our uh, viewers is: Ukraine the capital, the human trafficking capital of Europe.
1: Uh, no, that's, that's not correct. The, the top five countries in the world for human trafficking are Pakistan, Indonesia, China, India, and Bangladesh. Those are the top five countries uh, for human trafficking. Human trafficking takes place everywhere. There have been arrests in the Central Valley here for human trafficking. I mean, this is, this is a worldwide phenomenon. Um, you do see a substantial amount happening in Ukraine but you also see that happening in many of the former satellite countries of the Soviet Union that are suffering with government corruption right now where you get government corruption you're going to have human trafficking okay the higher the it's it's directly proportional and ukraine is still recovering from the soviet era right now and as a result you are going to see a high amount there they're doing their best to comply they they cooperate with interpol and uh, and they're they're making their efforts to to cope with that. But I mean, these are just part of the problems of being a post Soviet state that's dealing with um, you know weak government and the kind of corruption that that uh, that they experienced during Soviet times.
0: Thank you, Mike. You have a question. we we're gonna uh, for uh, you. Have any questions, for Congressman Costa?
3: Yeah, I was going to ask Congressman Costa what the word is out of Washington now uh, with talks with the Iranian government. We talked about women and children. Uh, I think they've become closer now than ever before towards really pushing back against the, the government over there. And a lot of kids are getting killed, and women have been killed, and they're still getting killed. Um, are we? And, and you talked about election security. The Iranians have a concerted effort, and they've had for a long time, to hack American companies and American interests. Is there a change in tone? Is there going to be maybe some of these billions of dollars going to Ukraine? any support to help these people communicate. They can't even use their phones for WhatsApp or Telegram. You're talking about Iranian Iran, people yeah, I-
0: communicate with the outside world. Yeah, I,
3: I know the emphasis is heavily on Ukraine right now, but right. there are a lot of other... I mean, Iran was one of the strongest U.S. allies right. up until the revolution. So I'm curious, yeah. has the administration made any overtures? Is there talk about moving in a different direction, or are we still going to negotiate with the regime? I'm,
0: I'm going to quickly answer that, Jim, please, because we're going to get to the bring in uh, Divina Witcher uh, of the executive director of Amor who just uh, recently came back from Ukraine. Go ahead, John. Darius, yes. if,
4: if you don't mind though, but let me answer because thats I know both of you are very knowledgeable about the situation in Iran and uh, I don't think it's gotten enough coverage to your point, Mike. Uh, this has been the longest lasting series of protests uh, that, uh, that we've seen in Iran uh, since the uh, Revolutionary Guard and the Ayatollah took over, uh, you know, what was that, 40 years ago? It's been a while back.
0: Yeah. Yes, correct.
4: And three things are happening right now in Iran that's not getting enough coverage. Uh, and, and, and that is, one, uh, the widespread protests that are continuing at every uh, uh, city in Iran um, and, and the suffering that's taking place by the that young generation that you speak of uh, Mike uh, who look to the west who are connected um, and and reject uh, this uh, uh, you know uh, authoritarian uh, religious regime uh, the second thing that's going on uh, is is that uh, uh, the succession of the Ayatollah, Ayatollah. Uh, and his health is not good, and, 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 and there's a whole lot of, uh, we understand, uh, debate as to how that uh, succession is going to take place, which is going to create further instability. Uh, and, and the third thing is, is that, uh, absent an, an agreement, the Iranians are continuing to move every day toward uh, developing a nuclear weapon. And, uh, you know, if, if that happens, uh, we, I think, I believe that with some certainty, uh, the Saudis are going to attempt to get a, a nuclear weapon. The Egyptians are going to attempt to get a nuclear weapon. And, and Lord knows what may occur in, in that part of the Middle East. Uh, at the same time, uh, and, and we obviously are monitoring the situation very carefully. Israel, as we know, will do everything they can do to uh, the point at which they think it can be effective to prevent Iran from actually making that nuclear weapon a reality. I, I, We've we got
0: to move on real quick, really quick. I just want to
3: just clarify, we at the Iranian-American community have tried really hard to reach out locally to our elected officials. The only federal person who's really given us the time of day is Congressman Costas. So I want to thank you for that.
4: Good. Awesome. Thank we're you. going to continue to stay with it, Mike. More needs to be done. Thank awesome.
0: Uh, don't go away, Jim and uh, Reverend Zubak, because uh, we're going to bring in uh, Davina Witcher now uh, to talk about Amor, and, uh, which is a local nonprofit uh, which does international work on healthcare. care and uh, Davina's recent, recent trip to Ukraine. So uh, take it away. Tell us uh, what you found and what you plan on doing. Davina, and welcome to Unfiltered. Oh, I think uh, Divina is on mute. We cannot hear her. There
2: oh, you go. Thank you, Darius, for the opportunity. Um, and Jim and, and the um, minister for the perspective on Ukraine. Um, having just been there, I think the thing that impressed me most that's already been mentioned is the resolve of the Ukrainian people. Um, to keep their country intact um, and to win this war. Um, They're a very kind um, people who have been attacked unnecessarily, and um, neighborhood after neighborhood that I visited um, reminded me of right where we live here in Fresno, um, that here people were um, carrying on with their daily lives, and suddenly find themselves in a situation um, where their daily life has come in completely taken from them. Um, I see the video showing now, um, and this was in Irpin, which is about 10 minutes outside of Kyiv. This is how far, the, how close the Russians got um, to the capital. Um, but that resolve of the Ukrainian people to. Push back and to take back their own territory and their lives um, is what took this area back from Russia um, in one day. And having had the opportunity to interview um, people that were there um, and, and experience the Russian troops coming down their streets, right? Um,
0: These are the videos yeah. that you, got, you took uh, when you were in Ukraine. Is that correct? What's on the screen?
2: That is correct.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's let's make sure we put the videos on and the pictures on. Okay. Great. Thank you. There we
1: can, keep.
2: Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I, I I think we've discussed well. Um, you know the resolve of the people there to keep their country intact, and um, as the congressman mentioned, as the one of the leading democratic nations across the uh, across the world it is incumbent upon us to support them. And um, having worked internationally for the last uh, 15 years, the a board made the decision that we wanted to step in and help Ukrainian people during this very challenging time, understanding that they need a hand up. Um, They are very committed to um, to their own security, And all we want to do is to support them during this challenging time. And so we visited seven hospitals, several orphanages while we were there. Um, Yes, here's a map of where we traveled. So of course there are no flights into Ukraine at the time. So we drove um, from Warsaw down to Kyiv, and then on down to our first stop was down to the military base there in Odessa. Um, I did want to put up slide 33 to show what we were able to see there is the MASH units um, that the military hospitals are um, taking out into the region um, right to the front lines. And so we are looking to bring in some additional equipment um, for these MASH units. And we're partnering with several different agencies here in the U.S. who are recipients of um, equipment that has um, been repurposed out of um, local hospitals.
0: Uh, Davina Amor is looking at doing what exactly in Ukraine?
2: So we're looking to um, provide medications, hospital equipment, and humanitarian relief.
0: And is, what are the plans for that? Are you in the process of doing that? Are you providing those uh, services now? Or uh, when are you planning on actually providing services in Ukraine?
2: Sure. So one of um, the, the tasks that I did while I was there in October was to establish our charity um, organization and company there and our bank accounts. So we are able currently to receive donations to do humanitarian relief immediately. We have staff on the ground um, that have already um, received military permission to take aid into Kershon. And um, the, this, photo here on the screen is of one of the um, orphanages that has been now evacuated out of the Kershawn area. And so we would be able to support these children as they move out of that area, provide them, um, actually the staff there, we sent me a list today, uh, gas burning stoves, of course, water, there's very little running water, um, heat, We've discussed heat. We have capacity to take um, portable generators down there immediately. We can be down there next week. Um, and, of course, food. So those would be our top priorities, gas-burning um, stoves, water, food, and, of course, we're on plumbing. plumbing.
4: Evita, uh, let me just say you're doing the Lord's work, as you've done in the past uh, in, in other places where we've had war-torn uh, Nations in which the people have suffered, and I can't commend you enough. And we should talk offline on how we can try to be helpful. No, but I can support uh, Amor and, and, and the efforts that uh, Darius, you and your family have been engaged in. Another Valley family uh, that you know, Steve Campus, uh, went there and they brought a group of orphans from a Catholic uh, uh, order uh, and, and all the way into Spain, uh, which yeah. is an amazing story. But uh, the, uh, the the fact is is that these humanitarian efforts are needed. They're critical, and we must continue them. And uh, uh, we're working on some other efforts along those lines to support humanitarian efforts like a more. And uh, we'll talk more about that. And uh, thank you for allowing me to be a part of this uh, this evening. And um, we can discuss more about uh, Ukraine as well as uh, this horrific situations that are occurring in Iran today. Um, and if you'd like, I, I, I think I can, as I've done before, get my friend, the U- member of the Ukrainian parliament to participate in one of our our, our po- podcasts uh, coming up. She just came back yesterday from uh, Kiev. And so obviously she'd be happy to uh, share uh, her thoughts uh, on the challenges that they're facing. Can you tell us
3: how uh, Mrs. Ustinova is doing?
4: I believe she had a baby. She's doing, she had her baby on April 12th, uh, one day from my birthday, April 13th. Father, you'll love to hear this. Uh, I thought uh, she was initially Orthodox. She says, no, I'm Catholic. And she said, I want you to be the godfather. And so uh, we arranged it and I'll show you some pictures later on, but I'm I'm, um, uh, the uh, godfather of a little baby girl called Victoria. We're for victory, uh, which is the kind of attitude, as you pointed out, Davina, that all these all our Ukrainian friends have, and uh, she calls her Tory, but Victoria uh, is uh, obviously um, um, uh, going to be the future of Ukraine uh, as she grows up.
0: Okay, that, that, that's, that's go. good, to, good to hear. Thank you, Jim, for, for joining us. Let's put uh, Davina and uh, Reverend back. I think Jim Costa is going to leave us now. Uh, if we can get the right screen up so we can actually see both uh, Davina and uh, the Reverend. Uh, uh, any final comments from Reverend uh, on the work that's happening on the ground? Uh, I don't know if you were aware of what uh, Amor is doing. And I and I want Davina to kind of come back and tell us tell, tell the audience what actually what is uh, give us more information about it more the website if uh, where, where can you go to help uh, et cetera. But let's start with the Reverend and then we're going to go back to Davina.
1: Just want to underline um, Congressman DeCosta's uh, comments that humanitarian aid is critical for the long-term survival. Uh, Sometimes there's a big focus on the military aid, which is also vital for victory, but we need to remember the human factor, and that's the kind of work that uh, Davina is uh, doing right now for the people of Ukraine, and I just want you to know that the people there are grateful, and the people of the Ukrainian diaspora here in North America and worldwide are also grateful for the work that people like you are doing. So keep up that great work. It uh, It is God's work. Thank
2: you. Thank
0: you. Tell us uh, again. Give us inf- give the audience information about Amore.
2: Sure, Amore.
0: Yeah, and um, then we're going to wrap up we'll... uh, with Mike. Mike's final comments.
2: Perfect. Um, so Alliance for Medical Outreach and Relief, Amore, is based here in Fresno. We've been operational since two thousand and eight, and our um, and first project was in Kabul, Afghanistan. That hospital remains operational through the regime change. Um, In 2020, we opened our first domestic project in Mendota that services the farm labor. And we have now moved on to our third project, which is a more Ukraine health organization. So we established that in October of this year. That was one month ago and um, we did that at the behest of some of our longtime partners in Afghanistan that have promised to support Ukraine as well with medications and equipment for the hospitals. The humanitarian aid part is um, the part that is limitless and we would like to um, ask the Fresno community and those that are listening to GB Wire to support that humanitarian aid by going to amorelief.org. I see our more Wellness website, which is our, um, our website for the project in Ndota. So we do have a, an Amore website, um, and there is a, a Ukrainian page there. So you can designate. Um, you know, can
0: we put the, a, a more website? That is the Amor website. This is a more wellness website, uh, Correct. Or, right? It's not the more website. Yeah. One R. Sorry, One R. Yes,
2: a relief.org
0: Put that All up right. here in a minute, but keep going, Divino. Oh, no,
2: no, that's, that's okay. okay. Thank you. Um, and so, so the humanitarian. And that's not
0: Jim Costa, by the way. <laughs> that is Divina Witcher. I want to make sure. <laughs> Our producer (laughs) knows. Oh, come on. Okay.
2: (laughs) That is not
0: Jim Costa. I think our producer is uh, confused on uh, who's on the screen. Okay. Okay.
2: That's okay. I'm sure everyone knows I'm not Jim. (laughs) Here we go. Here's our work. The more website, and actually, if you've got that website live, if you go to the slider at the top, you will be able to see the Ukraine appeal. Um, we are looking to take gas burning stoves, bottled water, um, generators, food, and warm clothing in Kershan um, by next week, and um, so we're looking for your support in doing that. Um, I have
0: by next wow. week, okay.
3: Well, you know, Dar- Darius, with the California legislature banning our gas-burning stoves, I mean, now we can We're going to have a rain. lot of gas burning. We're a lot of them left. Yeah. Okay. Davina, I'm going to ask one last question. I know our viewers have been hanging out, hanging on with us for a long time. Um, so, same question I got asked coming back from Armenia. Pe- regular folk you're talking to on the street in, in the different cities in Ukraine, what are they telling you? They're the ones in the war. What are they telling you?
0: That's a great question.
2: They're telling us they're going to win. Um... And you know, I I think the thing is, is that they are, this is their country. How would we feel if someone came into Fresno and said, sorry, we're annexing Fresno and the state of California to another country? How how would you react to that? Um, And that's exactly what I experienced from the folks on the the street is to the death, right? Um, They're not willing to give up their country This is their land. This is their home. This is where their children deserve to grow up and get an education and learn about their country. And they are committed to that.
3: Father Gregory, I have a follow-up question for you.
2: Yeah. What does it mean
3: to be Ukrainian? We're talking about annexing the country and are they Russian? Are they their own ethnicity? What does it mean to be Ukrainian?
1: Ukrainians have their own history, they have their own culture, they have their own language, they have their own textiles, their own embroidery, their own music, their own literary tradition. And they are, they are a unique people uh, like any culture in the world. Um, Russia regards us as simply an inferior version of themselves and nothing could be further from the truth. So to be Ukrainian means to embrace the uniqueness of our culture, our language, our heritage, our cuisine, um, and our whole ethos. Um, Ukrainians are very warm, generous, kind people. You know, Ukraine has never invaded a country in its entire history, and we're proud of that. We're a peaceful people, and we'll continue to be that. That's all part of our culture, our ethos, our spirituality. And our, our whole outlook. And that's what we celebrate as Ukrainians. That's what it means to be Ukrainian.
3: Great. Now, uh, I will ask one last question because I'm like Colombo. If I'm a non Ukrainian and I want to, you know, food brings people together. If I'm a non Ukrainian, what is the dish I should try?
1: Pierogies. Okay. we call them. <laughs> okay. They're basically, they're basically cheese and potato dumplings. Uh, my middle daughter is an expert at making, actually all my daughters can make them very well at home. So if you ever want to come try some, then give me a ring and we'll be happy to have you at our table.
0: Put all of us back on the screen. Um, I want to thank uh, Reverend, our father, Zubak, uh, joining us this evening uh, for coming back. Divina, thank you for that insightful information about more, which is Alliance for Medical Outreach and Relief is doing across the world and is beginning to do in in Ukraine. Uh, And I want to thank Congressman Kasa for uh, returning to the show. He had to leave uh, for another engagement. Um, And, and of course, to all of our audience, thank you for watching this episode of Unfiltered. Have a fantastic Thanksgiving uh, weekend. uh, And we hope to see all of you uh, next Tuesday at 6 p.m.